Well, now there's something unusual that you wouldn't have heard on the two smoking guns as we start off with our uh, our normal track from the hives uh, that everyone's been uh, listening to uh, here on this program for the last uh, three, four years. Long time. It's, it's been a long it's actually time, Rusty. It's starting to sound a bit scratchy too. Yes, we've worn it out. <laughs> so um, we've uh, we've made it an executive decision, and uh, all of that was on purpose because uh, we're, today is a day of transition. It's we a had transition, uh, uh, last week we uh, we brought back some structure. And uh, this week we're having our week of transition. Yes, nice. <laughs> As we transverse into uh, hopefully the next chapter of, uh, of Two Smoking Guns. But um, I personally, and I'm sure you are too, my old friend, are a great fan of uh, Robbie. And I sat there and I just happened to come across the track yesterday as I was uh, I was actually doing some research. Yes, well, and, there's um, a first. <laughs> I mean, formal research this was. <laughs> you know, locked myself away. You know. wow. Please, D&D, do not disturb. What you are doing for the show is remarkable. <laughs> so, and I... I came across Robbie and I thought, you know what, that's what we're trying to do every week. And I reckon if we get Robbie to sort of get us up and, and he sets the tone of what we try and do every week, then I reckon we're going to run with that for a bit. So uh, from now on, you're going to hear Robbie Williams, yeah. let us entertain you. And uh, <laughs> we've also got a segment that we like to call The Week That Was, which has this thing. <laughs> I don't know about opening your eyes up, Scotty, but I'll tell you what, there were a few uh, tears in the eyes this week. Last weekend we had, uh, I might have mentioned to you, we had the Melbourne International Chili Eating Competition. Oh, that's right. You said that was in Brunswick uh, or something. It was in the Northern Burb somewhere. And and in a major upset, the defending champion who's won it four in a row got done by by a woman. But more on that in a moment. But I did want to, there's a lovely article that, describes the atmosphere in the room quite uh, eloquently. Yes. Um, sitting at the table at the back of the Brunswick East Burger Bar, a dozen people grimace at the prospect of putting another chilli in their mouths. <sighs> Snot drifts, drips off one woman's face, tears stream down the cheeks of another. At the back of the room, a man contorts in his chair, breathing heavily. Wow. A dozen competitors are fighting for a shot at being crowned the winner of the Melbourne Chilli Eating Championships. The rules are clear. No napkins, no standing, no drinks, no vomiting. And all the food must go. They need to chew for at least 10 seconds, but it's only a matter of time before someone reaches for the cup of milk sitting in front of them for relief and is automatically disqualified. In the alleyway behind the bar, Ambulance Victoria paramedics wait for the contestants with sick bags, cups of milk and antacid medication. It's mayhem, a paramedic says. The whole street gets covered in you-know-what. Oh, oh, no. So there we go. But um, Greg Barlow, who was the defending champion... um, Went up against uh, Gabby Del Castillo. Yes. I hope I've pronounced that right, Gabby. Yeah. And she uh, knocked him off. Um, he, um, Greg Barlow says, you don't even get to the juice of the chilli. Your whole mouth just goes numb. Your whole body is in pain, burning. Your nose starts to drip and it feels like lava dripping down your face. Oh but you can't wipe it because then you're just wiping lava across your face. No. <laughs> so hang on. You're it takes even... him three days for him to be able to kiss his wife. Um, after the championships. Gee whiz. 
But anyway, um, the 25-year-old um, university student, newcomer Gabby, she's, uh, she's got it. And uh, she's, she said, I'm pretty stoked. I can't believe she could talk. Stoked. I can't feel chilly, so I thought well, I might be a pretty good chance. You can't what? feel chilly. Wow. She must have COVID or oh, something. she got sort of no nerves. Oh, or, uh... She's the chilly queen of Australia. So is there, there you go. Is, is there, um, I'll, I'll be delicate about this, yeah. um, is there any sense or um, noted uh, words around the effect that it has on the other end of you? No, that would be indelicate, indelicate yeah. to go into on a on a show such as this. But yeah. uh, suffice okay. to say, I think it would create action at both ends of the ground. Yeah, well, you know, goal scored at both ends. I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah thought no, so. absolutely. So I thought I should she update can't you feel on that. Chilly. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. God, she could eat anything if she can't. You know, feel burning I mean, I know. or spice, but her life wouldn't be very interesting because chili and flavouring would be useless to it. Yeah, I mean, anyway. I know people that can't smell. Yeah, but if but people, taste. Well, here's the question though: If you can't smell, can you taste? Mm. Pinch your nose and eat something. Can't taste it. Is that right? Mm. Ah, fun fact. So if ever you think you're going to eat something. And you don't mind the texture, but you think the flavour is going to be yes. rank. Hold, you, hold the old proboscis. Right. Hold the old proboscis. Yeah, very you good. You won't taste a thing. There you go. That's quite often my children pinch their nose when they have medicine. Or so when they, they eat Brussels sprouts or, or something Brussels like sprouts, that. Or Brussels sprouts, yes. Or, um, yes, or broccoli. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Unless you put it in a cake. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I've known someone to do that as well. Um, so there I'd you say, go. Well, that's very good, mate. Uh, well, I'm glad they all survived. Well, uh, I, I believe one. everyone survived, right. which is the most okay. important thing. Um, so uh, I, I think, uh, are we going to launch into our sort of first segment of something? Yes, we, we can do that, can, sir. Can we do that? Because I've got um, got a bit of a beauty here. Okay. So I don't know if you came across this, but anyway, I'll, um, I'll let you sting me first. Done. What's new, pussycat? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. What's new, pussycat? So what's new, Scotty? <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of people who um, decided that they didn't like the in-flight movie on a recent flight. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So you know what they did? What? They had a punch-up. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? It's a fact, my friend. Oh, um, on an uh, Australian airline? Y- yes. Yes. On, on the Starjet. Oh, the Star one. The Star one, right? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> if I can start with this... A wild brawl. A wild brawl. Has broken out on board a Starjet flight, and police had to drag three passengers off the plane when it landed, including a shirtless traveller. Wow. Um, the brawl erupted on Thursday on an afternoon flight from Bali. Oh, <laughs> to, I think we have our answer. To Bris Vegas. <laughs> Too many um, bintangs. And footage shows passengers screaming and pleading for the scuffle to stop. Um, Travellers were shocked at the violent behaviour, which started just two hours into the trip. So they've had, they've had plenty really well, quickly. if I know that flight, it's a midnight flight, so you've had all day to get on Well, yeah. It uh, normally well, is. Well, no, a, this is an afternoon oh, flight. Oh, it was an afternoon So flight. they got there for breakfast. So they must have got yeah, started and, early. And had uh, lots, of, uh, lots of liquid on their wheaties, yes, I would yes. suggest, or just no wheaties at all. Um <laughs> Uh, witnesses said one of the men became violent with another couple just two hours after takeoff 
promoting up to six people, um, uh, sorry, prompting up to six people to split up the fight. The flight crew was forced to intervene and the pilot even threatened to make an emergency landing. What, in Darwinism? In the ocean, probably. God. <laughs> he, he threatened to make an emergency landing unless the fighting stopped. I mean, that must have been a hell of a ding-dong. What movie were they trying to watch? Oh, I don't know, but, you know... Die Hard or something? Well, maybe it was just a punch-up over the remote. What <laughs> <a few. laughs> I'm not watching that. Um, so they've... Um, I'm led to believe that um, all three of those people will probably struggle to get a flight ever again. Mm, and probably for good because reason. Because I think it, um, I think that sort of... The, that smell stays with you, as they say in the classics. <laughs> It's a bit like the Pepe Le Pew. That one oh, just yeah, won't, that won't go, go away. away. Well, what caught my eye through the week yeah. was um, uh, Yamo, a guy called Yamo, beat 50 rivals to win the coveted crown at the European Seagull Screeching Championship. <laughs> Can you run that past me again? This is the European Seagull Screeching Championship. So do you have a seagull and you squeeze it and it screeches or are you impersonating a seagull? You are impersonating a seagull My screech. My goodness. Now I've heard everything. Now 50 people entered this event and this uh, young 21-year-old Dutch architecture student was a judge of the best seagull sound organisers Set, uh, set a professional jury. Oh, right? please, come on. Had marked contestants out of 15 for how well their sound imitated that of a seagull and out of five for their efforts to mimic the bird's behaviour. So they're, they're screeching and they're wa- running around the room acting like a seagull. Flapping their arms <laughs> like a seagull. They might have had needed to meet up with the barley people to get, gonna, a, get a few on board before uh, the event. Hey, I'll tell you what, I've worked this out, um, and, and I'm sure this was um, very enthusiastic by the participants. You know what they would have done to get them up and about, don't Throwing you? Throwing a bit of bread around. Nah, five bucks <laughs> worth of chips. There's <laughs> <laughs> <Dead right. laughs> not, uh, not a lot you wouldn't do for a, you know, get, get some hot chips. Hot chips. Yep. So uh, it's an annual event, and uh, it's aimed apparently at changing the image of the oft despised creatures. Can we... Uh, do, do you think you could just finish that story and we'll do this next week? Yeah. Can you find me some audio of that? Yeah, I will next week. Because but, I uh, want to hear what how, how an imitation went. seagull sounds like. <laughs> and I'm very glad that all they did was draw the line at making a seagull sound yes. and not what else they're renowned for. No, they didn't do that. <laughs> no car bonnets that would be anywhere a inside. Far messier competition. <laughs> um, I, 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 I tell you what caught my eye. Um, both of them, in fact, in fact, all four of them, um, because I wear glasses, um, was, I don't even know why they would have to say this, maybe because it's unusual for somebody from this particular region of the, of the globe mm-hmm. to be involved in space. But the headline was, first Arab to walk in space. Is that right? Yes. So um, well, maybe it's just because they don't have many people qualifying from whatever passes for their NASA equivalent in Saudi um, Arabia or wherever so this that is, person is from. This is from Dubai. Oh, it's from yeah, the Emirates. E- anyway, yeah. um, and somebody from do you know what somebody from the Emirates is called? An Emirati. An Emirati. Hmm. Yes, they are. They are. Well done, sir. Um, Emirati astronaut Sultan. Aha! Of course well, he is. It's like David. Well, 
No, I was thinking more about like Formula One 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. Where your old man had to be a billionaire and that guaranteed you a seat. Yes. I think you're on the right track. You didn't have to drive. (laughs) You didn't have to be any good whatsoever. I can uh, recall, uh, no names, no pack drill, but there were a number of Japanese drivers at the time who struggled with the technicality of a Formula One vehicle and often found the fence. (laughs) Um, So you reckon this is a similar... Well, when the, when Cor- the team, a when the team a owner and the, and the team driver have the same surname... It's a bit of a giveaway. There's sort of a bit of a link sometimes. Now, Thank you, um, Lance Stroll. That, the, I was going to say, <laughs> uh, popular to contrary belief, um, Lance can actually drive. Yeah, he can. Right, so Lance is okay. Um, so Emirati astronaut Sultan Anayadi has stepped out of the International Space Station. You know, you can see that every night. In can the you? Spy. No. It's the biggest, brightest thing that you can see up there. And you might think it's a star. It's the International Space Station. Well, well, and it's dr- normally in out west. Mm-hmm. And you look up and it's about 40 degrees. If you were sort of looking at a 40 degree... Oh, hang on. 40, I'm going to check 40, that 40, out. Um, yeah, no, it's up. It's sort of... Yeah, get your head straight. Tilt it up about 20 degrees and then extrapolate that out. And you'll see she's a big, bright one. Okay. Um, I'm led to believe that is the International Space Station. Okay. So those lights are goddamn bright. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Although it's only, I think it's only like 100,000 kilometres up, though. Right. So That's why it would appear large. Yeah, something like that. Um, anyway, getting back to old mate, uh, he stepped out of the ISS, International Space International Station. Space Station. International Rescue. For the first Five, space Five, four, <laughs> three... To yes, my lady, <laughs> Parker, um, was the first uh, spacewalk by an Arab astronaut. A moment the uh, UAE said was a milestone. Oh, it's fantastic! Yep. So um, the Al Nayadi, forty-one, dubbed the Sultan of Space. Now, the Sultan of Space, <laughs> of course, he is. Became the first Arab astronaut to embark on a six-month space mission when he blasted off. Uh, for the ISS in early March aboard SpaceX Falcon 9. Oh. Mm. He's got muskies. It's, it's the one that yeah, he's didn't a, blow up. He's, he's gone and bought a ticket to muskies taxi. Uh, SpaceX Falcon 9. Falcon 9. Oh, Falcon. Um, he has egressed the hatch, the first ever spacewalk by an Arab astronaut. So... Whether it's the fact that we expect them to be either driving a Lamborghini or on the back of a camel, um, but in fact he's gone to space, which is why he was given his own title of first Arab to walk in space. I'm not sure. Very good. Well, I've got more. Anyway. I've, what caught my eye was more space. Oh, news you've got more space because I love space. Yeah, you do like. And space. Um, this is a good story because we had a bad one the other week with muskies um, temporarily disc- discombobulating yeah, that, um, ship. Yeah, you know that one was called, don't you? Falcon L. <laughs> Very nice, Scotty. Um, European Space Agency. Yes. Juice, it's called. Oh. Janine Ellis? Janice. <laughs> Janice. <laughs> Juice stands for Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer. Yes. So this is our mission to go to Jupiter to discover whether Jupiter's icy moons are capable of hosting extraterrestrial life in their vast hidden oceans. The launch took off from French Guiana 
And um, the uncrewed six-ton spacecraft separated from a rocket and off it went. And um, it's on its way. It's going to um, cover 800... Oh, what's, what, what, so what, what, how long does it take? Oh, here we go. Six, 628 million kilometres it's going. Really? 628 million That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of petrol. It'll finally get there. Yeah. ETA. Yeah. July 2031. Yeah, I was going to say about 40 years from now. (laughs) It's only, Uh, what, eight Yeah, yeah, that's eight. That's not bad. And uh, it's going to whiz past um, a couple of large planets as well just to have a bit of a gander. Does it get a a service along the way? Does it go to the ISS and get a a bit of a tune-up? Probably needs a charge. It's got solar panels. It's solar charged. They solar charge them. Oh, it's a smart craft. It's a smart craft. (laughs) (laughs) So, little known fact, the moons of Jupiter moons. Yes. Not the Sorrento moons, but Jupiter moons. First discovered by Galileo. Correct. Yes. Yes. Four hundred years ago. I did know that. But they've recently discovered huge oceans of liquid water, the main ingredient for life as we know it. Liquid here. water. Liquid now, water. Now, 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 now there's a revelation. Yeah. Liquid water. Well, <laughs> it, it was powdered water, but you just add water to make it water. <laughs> so, <laughs> brilliant. So, um, beneath their icy shells, uh, there's two moons: Ganymede and Europa, prime candidates to potentially host life. Right. I love, I love the fact that we're still trying to explore where there's other beings out there. Um, c- could you just step me back through the acronym of juice. that? Well, how do you get juice when it's a moon explorer? Jupiter, J-U, yeah. Icy. Oh, Icy, yeah. Moon's explorer. Right. Oh, I think they've just made juice up. I think they out have. Of that. Well, yeah. just made, they've just dropped the well, moon. Just they've ju- just dropped the moon's an explorer and just kept juice. It's just... Jupiter juice. and ice, really. Jupiter and ice. That's pretty it's much. Juice. Yes. I don't mind it, by the way. Um, don't have a touch of Jupiter, just that ice. Well, I'm sure Janine Ellis might be in the federal court. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm well, not that's sure. Right, <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of the federal court, did you have you seen the hullabaloo over the the coffee? No. In the last week. No. So, can you name two significant brands of coffee? A Nescafe. Yes. And. Um, Ro- uh, uh, international roast, sort of. Um, how about Nespresso? Oh, Nespresso, yes. And Vittoria. Oh, yes. Well, I know of those. Right. Yes. So very well known. Well, old mate at Nespresso, yeah, has claimed old mate at Vittoria, Nespresso Vittoria. Yeah. They're suing them. Why? Because they said they're copying them. But they've got different names. They have got different names. Are they copying their coffee recipe? No. They claim that they're cof- uh, copying, copying, copy, copying their jar. Ah. They claim their jar has brand immediacy and value. Right. Well, that's that happens a lot. When people... They don't look alike, Ratsy. So that's not like a Chinese knockoff where they where they do No. They're claiming ben that there is like a, there's an indentation in the jar um, lid yeah. and that, from Nespresso's point of view, is imminently recognisable and that people actually buy it off the shelf because of the top of the jar lid. Right, I would have thought they would have bought it because it says Nespresso on it. 
and that it's coffee. And that it's coffee. And it's a different name to Victoria. But Victoria's jar doesn't look anything like Nespresso's. So I'm not sure whether I'm going to claim this is my rant for today. Tough tough job for the prosecutor. All I'm going to say is you've got more money than brains. (laughs) It's very true. Because that's going to be very difficult to prove that Victoria are making sales off the back of a jar that doesn't look like another jar. Wouldn't have thought so. Anyway, guess who wins out of that? Yeah, the lawyers. The lawyers. Well done. Hey, yeah, what caught my eye through the week? Do you know you can go and sleep in Pentridge now? Uh... No, but what I read about Pentridge was, why the heck would you want to do that? Because it's listed as one of the most haunted places in Melbourne. It could, well, correct, but but there's a new, um, there's um, the Interlude, it's called, Boutique interlude. Accommodation. Yes. They've done 19 rooms and they're calling it an experience-led urban retreat. So you can go and spend the night there and get yourself pretty scared. Um, so... There's cells that were formerly occupied by criminals, of course, yep. and they've been converted into stylish modern hotel suites that still maintain the essence of the heritage site. Right. The accommodation still features bluestone walls yes. and barred windows, Yes. but unlike the tough conditions prisoners face, it now offers luxury experiences. They can enjoy wine and tea tastings, sweets, meditation, and historical storytelling, and then sleep on comfortable beds. I actually, I don't know whether I'd want to go there to sleep. I wouldn't mind going to visit, but I don't know. I There's something about me that all, says... Yeah, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm, I'm almost... It's such an iconic yeah. landmark that... I'm half thinking of doing it for research. Yeah, yeah you, you, know? you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Will I don't I, know whether you get. Can I you? Can you? With you? Can um, you stay? Can you stay? Can you? Can you? I wonder whether they've named the rooms after like Ned Kelly and Squizzy Taylor well, and I, and <laughs> all, all of those people. Can I, I stay in the Squizzy room, please? No, I was going to say. I, 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 it. All I can think about is going back and seeing the judge standing up in front of Ned Kelly, saying, uh, "Would the defendant please rise?" Uh, Mr. Kelly, I find you guilty of all charges and I am going to give you a life sentence in boutique accommodation. <laughs> <laughs> Such is life, he would have said. So um, there you go. I, yeah. did, I just saw well, that in the paper and, and there's a few pictures. It looks, I'm all, sure, looks pretty good. I'm sure I've read re- very recently, like in the last 48 hours, yeah. that it's also on... Because you can go and do the haunted tour. Yes, and I wonder if they do on, that. It's on the list. It's on the, the list. The OMG is on the list. Oh my goodness, he's on the list. Right. Al Melbourne. So oh, well, look, you know, that I'll might think be about a it. bit of a dampener for those that want to indulge. <laughs> do you think they've got in-floor heating now, or is it still the old bluestone? I think there's just a sort of a hole in the floor as well. You know, no, I think they've fixed it up a bit, but um. Look, I'm I'm curious to, to, to go. I might go and, and I'll report back. Ima- imagine this. You go, they have a power failure <laughs> and, you, and you can't open your door. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that would three, bother me. 3 a.m. Yeah. And then just... Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and, or, or, or 
the clangor of chains. Yes. Oh. yes. I wonder if you get a big keychain for your room, you know? Well, about that. <laughs> <laughs> you go, sir. Uh, what do you get the handcuffed and imagine, handcuffed and croft and frog march to your room? You know, imagine somebody who just sneaks into the technical room you know, oh, at three in the morning and messes with people, messing with people. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. oh no, <laughs> hearing some noises at very very uh, dark uh, times uh, of the night. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know. You I'm, uh, I'm going to give that. You want either a lot of thought or no thought, and I haven't decided which yet. Fair enough, too. Hey, now listen, I've got to tell you, um, that's a great story. I love that. Huh? Um, yeah, we love all that stuff. So um, now uh, this this would be a magic moment because a great friend of the show and a great friend of, of yours and mine is um, the, the doyen of uh, Australian commercial radio, let me say commercial yes. radio, um, we possibly run a close second. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I reckon there's a fair bit of daylight. Yeah, I don't think there's any but short half But our old mate, mm. uh, Mr. Stevenson, mm. has, um, he's bobbed up in some form of notoriety for the, for the last thing I would imagine that he would ever bob up for. Getting butt naked. <laughs> what, for a calendar or something? <sighs> it says here that um, breakfast host uh, Roscoe um, could find himself in a very revealing situation should he achieve his dream of having a Melbourne Cup runner this year. Now, ah, given, what, are, what are his chances? <clears throat> let me just go back a little bit. Now, the great man, uh, with all of the magnificent qualities that he's got, one of his great qualities is he's very measured. Yes. So Ross, I wouldn't describe Ross as a risk taker. Right. Ross is a punter. Ross loves the punt. He would say that himself. And he, and obviously, he's got shares in horses and has had for many years. But Ross is not. Um, Ross doesn't take chances as like such that. like that. He's not like the Lou Richards who would say, I'll, uh, I'll push something down the street with my nose if like, Collingwood get it's beaten. Sort or of not, yeah, and, you know, I mean, I heard Daisy Thomas come out the weekend saying if uh, Collingwood lost, he would get a tattoo, yeah. right, of um, somebody's initials or something yeah. or whatever. No, that's not Ross. So, so Roscoe's coming out saying, Stevenson has made a dare-to-bear uh, dare pledge <laughs> Should he find himself the horse that makes the final field of the 24 in the great race? If I have a runner in this year's Melbourne Cup, I'll get my gear off. <laughs> now, Is that a threat or a I, promise? I reckon there's lots of clauses <laughs> that sit around, get my gear off. Correct, yeah. So is it all your gear, some of your gear, where's your gear, where are you going to get your gear off? And who gets to see? Oh, I, think you, I think you might have to reach out and clarify. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to see if we can get hold of him and yeah. we're going to have another chat we'll, to him. We'll because we're him. overdue to have a chat to the great man and uh, we're going to do that because that I want to, pardon the pun, but get to the bottom of. Get to the bottom of that. <laughs> well, inspired by your racing story there, yes. I have a joke for you today, Scotty. <laughs> right. Does it involve uh, horses? It does. It involves horses um, in the following way. Right. A man was admitted to hospital today with 25 plastic toy horses inserted into his rectum. Oh, my God. 
Doctors have described his condition as stable. <laughs> oh, there's a full book. I have my gallows like water. There's a full book, as they say in racing parlance. Got a full uh, book today. Um, yeah. All right, Scotty, well, um, time for song. And um, right today. What for us today? Oh, today, I've got an Australian band who are making it big. They've already won Album of the Year. They've been around for 10 years. They're called The Gang of Youths. Oh, yeah, I like, I like uh, The Gang good. of Very good. I like their very first one a couple of years ago. Um, it had a great beat to it. In fact, I was only thinking about them the other week as to I haven't heard from them for a while. But Well, they've moved to London. They're looking to crack it in Europe. Are they? Mm. I reckon they will too. And I reckon they will yeah. too. So this is from their latest album, I'm Angel. Big, big fan. Angel of 8th Avenue. Here is... Oh, I've heard it. The Gang Play it again. Oh. Well, I'll play it again for you, mate. Thank you. Play it again, sir.
There you go. Oh, yes. He's a good eye. Yeah, no, they're really good. In fact, um, I just had to refresh my memory as to the first song that um, I heard them play that I just loved, which was um, Let Me Down Easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was absolutely Yeah, they're just, a great band. They're yeah, really, really good. And they're going to crack it big, I yeah, reckon. Yeah, well, I, I reckon they've got that London sound to them a bit too, that sort of Billy Bragg-ish, not, not, not like baggy trousers, but... I reckon they've got a, yeah, I reckon. I reckon it's an international like, yeah. sound. They'd be very yeah. popular. Yeah, I reckon. Now, well. speaking of popular, um, one of our most popular segments uh, on the show is, of course, Scotty's Rant. Exactly right. In fact, we even got a reaction to my uh, rant from last weekend. We did. I, I we had a couple of callers in. A couple of callers that said... In, uh, they endorsed they, your thoughts. <laughs> they endorsed my, now, whether that was the topic itself, yes. I'm sure it had all to do with it. But I'll tell you what, if you are a naysayer against uh, uh, public funerals and... Uh, state funerals. State funerals. Sorry, thank you. State funerals. Where all you focus on is the cost of doing so, then you have lost the plot as far as I'm concerned. Yes. So I had these naysayers that came and said, oh, Shane Warne, Shane Warne's, you know, he's cost $1.4 million or $1.5 million, and Eddie McGuire's company, they got a million dollars. And as Eddie came out and said, have you got any idea how much it actually costs to put something on? Correct. Now, my understanding was Eddie's company actually lost money putting that show oh, I have on. no doubt they would have. And I call it a show because what these are, in most cases, are a celebration of great Australians that a lot of people actually would like to be a part of. Now, normally you'd have to be sort of related to the family or close to the family or you can't sort of be drawing these great long bows. But when it comes to people that have that have forged and shaped this country, like the Father Bob Maguires of the world and like the Shane Wards of the world, whether you like him or not is irrelevant, there's lots of great work that all these people do. And the naysayers that actually want to come along and just have a crack about what it costs, you can actually go and find a rock and get under it and don't come out. Here, here. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's appalling. Um, there was even some dialogue around the fact, should it just be for state uh, politicians? No. Arguably, let's be very careful, but there's probably a whole bunch of them that probably don't warrant a state funeral just because they're a politician. Yeah. I would think it's people like... Olivia Newton-John and Shane Warne and Father Bob McGuire and Barry uh, Michael Gadinsky and Barry Humphreys, yep. all those people that have had a significant part of who we are, what we are, what we're about and how we tick every goddamn day. Rant over. Nice, Scotty. I really liked it. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, calm down now. <laughs> 
No, um, I wholly I endorse what you're saying. Yeah, because there's a lot true. of uh, what a good friend of mine, Scott, would call begrudges out there. They begrudge other people yeah. uh, having a good time. They begrudge people getting yeah. involved in celebrations of life. Yeah. They're just ordinary miserable folk well, that I, are doing I, that sort I, of I'll stuff. I tell you what, we 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 love we we love having a crack in this country. But there's one part of our fabric that is, is got its wires crossed. I also think we do suffer from tall poppy syndrome, hmm. right? At, at different times, we want to go and have a whack at those that are super successful without really understanding the work that they've done to, get to, to, uh, to actually get to that particular place. So um, you lot, bugger off. Nice one. Well, <laughs> Scotty, after that, I think we need a drink. Okay. Going home and get my girly on, it's wine time Hurry up with the mascara, I'm as dry as a Sahara Yes, it's wine time A bottle and a platter and there's nothing else that matters when it's wine time I've known them since the 80s, they're the finest group of ladies when it's wine time one time. That, so that, that almost qualifies for our um, our bass guitar riffs. Must do that again. Yeah, that were good. That were good. Yeah, we'll bring them back. So um, back. I drank a bit of this on Saturday night. Uh, my son's going to Sydney, and uh, he had a uh, seventeen of his closest mates over for yeah, that. steak and wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I asked if I was uh, allowed to be involved, and I uh, got the affirmative. Oh, so very good. But. Um, Today we're going to talk about Nebbiolo, Scotty. Nebbiolo. Nebbiolo. Sounds like a planet. It's the king of grapes, Nebbiolo. Oh. It's uh, it's famous. It comes out of Piemont in uh, Italy, and you might know it uh, in its um, more um, other names for it by Barolo, Barbaresco, those sorts of things. It's yes. all made out of the Nebbioli, Nebbiolo grape. Right. Very hard grape to grow. Yes. Um, Nebbiolo. Um, it comes from the old Italian word meaning fog because it gets quite foggy in the hills where they grow this particular grape up yes. in the north of Italy, just south of Turin. Right. And I have visited that very part of the world I'm last sure year. sure you did. To do research. <laughs> so um, we're drinking Nebbiolo. Nebbiolo is a very light-looking wine, but very, very uh, full-bodied and lots of tannins. So it looks... When you pour it like a Pinot, might. Yeah, right. But its appearance is, its taste is far, far deeper and more complex, uh-huh. acidic, with more tannins than a Pinot. Now, is this the one you were going to have me transitioning yeah, so into winter? We're talking about transition, and I think mm. what you're getting here is Pinot. You could drink Pinot now, and I have. Yep. And I think that's a lovely segue from summer into, into winter. Yes. But if you want something that's got a little bit more complexity to it, yes. uh, Nebbiolo might be something you want to investigate. Now, right. it's if it's you're buying Italian Nebbiolo, your Barolos are going to be very expensive because they come from small allotments and the wine taxes and everything to get them to Australia are pretty prohibitive, right. unless you know some people. Right. Um, <laughs> Says he with a wry smile. <laughs> when do they land? <laughs> um, but um, because you know how the Italian wine um, growers and the French, they've got these denominations of origin of control and yes. they can only grow grapes and harvest them at certain times and under certain conditions. 
But all of those with the DOCG, like Barolo or all of those sorts of things, can call it that. But you can get Nebbiolo that's just grown uh, generically. Right. So um, in Australia, if you're looking for one, it might be an entry level yep. um, for you. Um, they do some nice ones in the Adelaide Hills. Yeah, right. It grows quite well there. King Valley here, Yarra Valley. Yeah, Yarra Valley. Um, yep. And even up in Beechworth and Heathcote. King you'll, Valley one over the weekend. You'll, you'll find some nice Nebbiolos being... Heathcote, very good region. ...being grown there. So uh, next time you're at the um, at the bottle oak, The big green shop. Go to the Italy section or to the um, to the Nebbiolo section in Australia and grab yourself one of those and... I will. You know, tell me what you think of that. I will. Yes. I'll have that done for you by this time next week. Lovely. That's homework for you? <laughs> That's homework for me. It's no. all, it's all yeah. homework for me Excuse too, me, by the way. Excuse me, sir. Could I have more homework? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Now we're moving on to, because what goes with wine, Scotty, is... Tucker. <laughs> Tucker. Well, have I got a story it's from for you? Oliver Twist, I think. It is Oliver Twist. Um, so, uh, you like your fish? Love fish. Love fish? Yep. Yep. All right. Um, got a recipe for me or a story about uh, fish? No, it's, a, yeah, it's probably more of a story. Oh, one, yeah. nice. Um, uh, so, this sort of goes along the lines of there's an elderly couple uh, in Malaysia and uh, they like their fish. And uh, they went and bought some fish. And um, there was only one problem with it. It killed them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why they're laughing. That's not good. Um, Eating the fish killed them. I'm assuming the fish didn't just um, Uh, come to life and... No. no, Food poisoning related. Yeah, because this little fella in one form... Is about the size of a uh, a grapefruit, right? But elongated, if right. you can imagine, sort of. But it, if it gets a bit narky, it can change its form. Oh no! And ends up looking like a basketball. Wow! What's that? A puffer fish? Is it? Yes, sir. Oh, elderly, I've heard of these elderly couple. They're nasty puffer has fishes. died yeah. after eating poisonous puffer fish in Malaysia, prompting an appeal from their daughter for stronger laws to prevent others from suffering the same fate. Oh well, I would have thought um, um, that wouldn't be something your local fishmonger would be allowed to sell. Well, wouldn't. Uh, En Chun Chun Singh and his wife Lim Siu Guan, both deceased, (laughs) both in the early 80s, unknowingly purchased Uh at least two puffer fish from an online vendor on March 25th, said authorities, in the southern state of Johor. The same day, Lim fried the fish for lunch and began to experience breathing difficulties and shivers. Authorities said, uh, an hour after eating the meal, her husband, Eng, also started showing similar symptoms, they added. The couple was rushed to hospital and admitted to intensive care, and Lim was pronounced dead at 7pm. God. Um, 
poisonous. Mm, mm, fell into a coma for eight days, but his condition worsened and he died on Saturday morning, said the couple's daughter, who gave a press conference at the couple's home on Sunday before their funeral. God. Um, so she's uh, demanded accountability for her parents' death and for stronger laws in Malaysia where at least 30 species of pufferfish are commonly found in surrounding waters. God. So next I've, time you um, get a little bit of fish, um, I would poke it first and see if it turns into a basketball yeah. because you might not want to have that one. Well, um, I, I reckon <laughs> when we were in the Greek island sailing about 30 years ago, a mate of mine stepped on a puff of fish. Yeah. And he got, good. He got like, um, kind of measles sores all over him. Really? Yeah. Hallucin- he broke out in a massive rash. Really? Because they've got, I thought they have a fish that got poison spots. Yeah, that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got all sorts of nasties yeah, all over them. Yeah, he stepped on yeah. it in the, in the shallow water and he was very sick. But, mate, we've got him down the road here. Have we? We, I, I remember, I don't know anymore, but I certainly remember seeing loads of these little buggers down around our fair shores in this local Vasil. Oh. Remember years ago? Vasin. Remember the sea lice <laughs> stories from years ago? Sea lice. Remember the stories about um, the guys who were just um, walking, the footy player, yeah. who was just standing up to his budgies, you know, doing yeah. his uh, recovery. Yeah. And the sea lice attached him and ate away the best part of his uh, really? lower leg and skin. Yeah. I, was gonna, I wonder where that was going to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sea lice. Sea lice. They were no, cool I don't back remember then. them. Yeah. Nasty I stuff. certainly remember the, you know, the stingers and the yeah, blue ring octopus. Because yeah. yeah. we've had them all down here. We've got them all. I mean, come to Australia. I mean, <laughs> come to Sandringham. See, see, um, see the wildlife. And, come and get a puffer fish. Step, step on one. I've never come across a puffer. I've yeah. obviously been stung by plenty of jellies. No, nah, it's. Swimming, um, uh, I, I vividly recall in the very shallows here wow. um, of seeing these little puffer fish. Don't reckon I ever saw one blow up. Uh, no, memory says I reckon I saw one blown up dead on the beach though. And mate, they seriously they blow up the size of a basketball. Nasty, yeah. nasty business. Lots of elasticity. 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 I wanted to talk to you about uh, another food story. I want to talk to you about marmalade. Marmalade? I love marmalade. Yeah, I like marmalade. I'm a big fan of marmalade. So um, this is a local gentleman called Reuben Cooperman, and he won the the the, the prize for best marmalade. Yes. So he, um, apparently he in England... Um, I just need to check out. So, so they have a they have an event... And they get entries from around 40 countries I'll bet. around the Commonwealth, right? Yep. And this was, it's, it's named in honour of, it's the, it's the Dalmain World Marmalade Festival. And it's, um, it's this, his jar of marmalade is now in a wooden box with a commemorative seal and it's being presented at the coronation of Charlie's. Right. In, 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 Next on the month. weekend. Well, yeah. this weekend, yes. Because, and the reason they have the festival is... QE, Queen Elizabeth, yeah. used to love a dollop of the marmalade on her, Madge. On, on her sandwiches. She used right. to have marmalade sangers. Marmalade sangers? Yeah. Now, I must say, I'm not sure I'd have a marmalade sanger. No, oh, not that I wouldn't. Like it on toast with butter. Yeah, roaring hot toast with butter. Brilliant. Yeah. Yep. So um, they had a lot of categories. They had merry marmalade for, for people that like a bit of booze in their marmalade. They've yep. got children's marmalade, gardener's marmalade, man marmalade, all these marmalades. Anyway, this guy, Reuben, um, he won. 
Okay, so good on him. He makes his out of Seville oranges that he that he buys from Paris. Yeah, right. So he goes to a lot of trouble because some of them have quite a lot of um, of the orange rind. Yes, and peel and peel. Don't yes, they? yes. So um, he's entered this um, on five separate occasions, and he's won several times. And he uh, said going to Dalmain, which is up in the uh, in the in the Lake District of England, if you know that part of the world, Scotty. He describes it as going to marmalade heaven. Yeah. And I could imagine that would be yeah, lovely and sticky mate, and sweet and all those things. A cup of tea and marmalade toast is about as good as it it's gets. It's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. He said there were several secrets to his success. He said all the marmalade he makes is made the day the fruit is picked. Right. He said that's essential. Right. Uh, an absence of pectin. Pectin. Hmm, which is the... The, the white stuff under the skin. Yeah, right. Okay. And a traditional method he uses, uh, he only makes six jars. Wow. So he has a very limited run. So he works on the theory of supply and demand where there's loads of demand, not much supply, and therefore price goes through the roof. Correct. I like to eat marmalade, he said. I pretty much eat it every day. It goes really well on beautiful sourdough bread with a lovely high-quality butter and Yunnan tea from the east of China. Here's one for I've not had Yunnan tea, no, but I'm oh, going to go and say. source some. No, but I, I just had a very crazy thought. Sometimes I think about things that you don't see, but would they go together? Do you think you could have roaring hot toast with marmalade with scrambled egg on top? Probably. You can do anything you want. Be all right, wouldn't it? Give it a run. With a bit of bacon give it and a run. marmalade? Yeah, maybe. Just sweeten it up a bit. Yeah, I reckon. I might give that a whirl. There's your recipe of the week. That might be my, <laughs> my weekend marmalade, scrambled egg and So I read that article bacon. and I uh, had marmalade on my toast this morning. Did you? I did. Well done to you, yes. sir. Yes. I, I didn't have a cup of tea, though. I should have oh, had a cup of tea. Cup of, cup of Earl Grey English breakfast. Uh, I like English breakfast. I actually like the yeah. Irish breakfast, too. Do you? Yes. Bit stronger. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I'm uh, Earl Grey man myself. Are you? Yes. Oh, yes. very good, sir. Uh, I'm, an, <laughs> I'm the Grey myself. Oh, very good. Very good. All right. Well, that's um, all we've really got. Um, okay. I, I want to leave you with one last little one because I thought this was fascinating. This is apropos of no food, but it's about Greenland. You know Greenland? Yeah. Be, it's the world's biggest island. Is it next to Redland? It's mainly ice. <laughs> it's, yes, near, it it's, it's next yeah. to Iceland. Yeah, Iceland. Yes, of course. They're looking at um, a draft constitution to make the territory autonomous because currently they're under the rule of Denmark. Yeah, okay. Which I didn't know. So um, they've developed this document, constitution. It's written in Greenlandic. Greenlandic? They've got their own language, Scotty. Uh, yes. Man. And it's, uh, it's basically... Um, it, it's in draft stage, but it's... Um, Trying to resolve the issues of whether they still would would have the Denmark king and queen remain head of state, and whether the um, they still follow their law and their voting systems and all those sorts of things. And the reason it's coming about is the Greenland has lots and lots of mineral riches, right? Which um, a bit harder to get out, but they've got massive mineral reserves and it's strategically very important because it sort of sits up there on top of Canada close to Russia and close to all the others right so it's ge ge geographically um, quite important and then this little snippet that I didn't know um, the territory's strategic location 
have raised international interest in recent years, as evidenced by former US President Donald Trump's swiftly rebuffed offer to buy it in 2019. No. Trumpy wanted to buy Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> Who else Who would else? want to buy Greenland except Trumpy? The Trumpy. Now, does that mean that, that Freddie and Mary own it? Yeah, well, they run it. They're, they the, run king. It. They're the king, king and queen of Greenland. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Uh, there's the Aussie connection. Now, you know, there's only one... Pre- you know, we always like talk about money. What do you reckon their currency is? Don't know. Ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Scotty. All right, we've got a load of fun again. Uh, So uh, next time, uh, listen in uh, for Robbie because that's going to be our new um, way we step into each show from now on for the next little while. So uh, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Two Smoking Guns. Rutsy, have a great week, my friend, and let's do it all again. (laughs) 